Welcome to a special podcast today. This is a unique thing we've never done before, and as many of you know, I, Charlie, I have a leadership podcast that we put out, and then we also, Oz and I do a podcast, Father and Son, Chucked, and we're combining that today because the unique circumstances we find ourselves in, we're combining our thoughts into one podcast, so Chucksters are hearing the leadership podcast and vice versa. And as as we sit here today, um, our lives have been at least temporarily disrupted by the specter of a virus that nobody really knows yet its full effects, and uh, we did not have gatherings last weekend. Our building is essentially closed to all gatherings. And so, Oz, here's where we find ourselves today in unprecedented circumstances, and so we decided, hey, let's combine let's combine our recording today. Let's simplify it. The week is topsy turvy. <laughs> my, mm-hmm. you know, my week. I'm having to put out so much content in many different ways, and obviously, we're making a lot of decisions a minute. But uh, tee us up today. Let's take our listeners through what our basis is for how we're looking at this situation through the lens of faith. And so, tee us up today. Well, uh, first, so much has changed since last, at least for our Chucked listeners. Um, so much has changed since we last recorded. Yeah. Um, I think even to the that it's too it's changed so much to the degree that um, I apologize for how um, maybe flippant I was with joking about it, with whether with uh, the absence of sports and tennis and. Um, uh, that it was it wasn't as bad as the common flu. It's whether the, the virus itself is as, as as terrible as the common flu or not. It's um, the effects of everything going on are very yeah. serious, mm-hmm. and um, and especially to those who are already uh, physically impaired. But we hope to give you hope, and um, to ultimately use this to use all sufferings to form us more into um, the kind of individual that has the kind of hope that surpasses uh, earthly conditions, physical conditions. Six-word gospel, Christ in you, hope of glory, Colossians one twenty-seven, And that ultimately, I think, begins from, from a New Testament point of view. It always has to do with suffering. Someone's progression towards Christ-likeness is almost always either a um, some kind of affliction in a, in a Second Corinthians sense or Philippians uh, sense, but or or maybe a uh, a test, mm-hmm. and, and the two different kinds of ways of looking at it: a tragedy or perhaps just a period of testing. And I would say certainly the the, the elderly, um, those who are already physically impaired, are they have a tragedy about them, which is this disease. But I think the rest of us maybe. That uh, like you and I, we're not so much in the um, in the uh, the affliction, the tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, I want to forget the the distinction of the word, the phlepsis, or as opposed to the um, 
the, the, the testing. I think we're more in the testing part. Right. Or the, or the um, that paresmos, that, uh, that our faith is refined in, in this fire. And the fire we're in, you spoke towards this past weekend, which is the, uh, the fire of fear. And that can mold us to something more depending on um, what we do in crisis. And so I think to start this off, to, to, um, well, to, to, to begin this, this foundation, to become more Christ-like, to, um, is, to, is to understand the crisis we're in, the fire we're in, the test we're in. But I think what made it really distinguishable for how one goes about it, you put it into, I, I suppose, kind of binary terms or it, with your equation. The equation you was was one of the easiest ways to distinguish how um, right off the bat how am I going about this present mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. So uh, to begin with, share with you the, the the equation that you shared um, towards the middle of your message. Yeah. So can, when I spoke to that, we were actually going walking through different applications of Jesus healing the leper, uh, the most quarantined of all individuals in that culture. And so for me, you know, always looking at how as teachers we boil it down to its simplest parts and then build from there. The the the, the it is it's somewhat binary because fear and love are actually neurologically binary. You can't process fear and love at the same time in your brain. Uh, I you know the the equation we looked at this weekend was pandemic plus nothing equals fear. Mm-hmm. Fear always seeks a vacuum, but the pandemic plus. Um, a, a sense of love, a choices of thoughts of love, pandemic plus love equals security. So pa- pausing that, deconstructing that, a pandemic and you on your own equals fear, equals chaos. Yeah, the Chaos natural- is, is fear kind of embodied. It in is, a way. it is. And of course then anxiety and worry are chronic fear. Mm-hmm. So, yes, so the natural state of the human brain is chaos and anxiety. If you do nothing with your brain, nothing with the flow of thought and taking captive thoughts, your brain will go to anxiety. And so then crises, uncertainty, and the perception of danger, even if it wasn't there, although there is danger here, the perception of danger is, a, is an accelerator, a multiplier of that reality. So that's why you see people who struggle with it's like fear that takes caffeine. It, it, it <laughs> pops really it up. Is, yeah, mm-hmm. it really is. So mm-hmm. um, your model of your message this weekend made me think of uh, to that as far as our natural state is just um, is fear and is and is, mm-hmm. is death is second uh, Corinthians four outwardly we're wasting away unless inwardly we have something that is mm-hmm. giving us new life. Mm-hmm. And that new life which brings security is where you're teaching a first John four came in. Yeah, it is. So the, the great thing about the modus operandi for someone of faith in Christ is uh, no matter what happens, all will be well. And if all is not well right now, it is not the end because in the end, all will be well. So this is my father's world. I can trust fully that, I can move in him, move and live and have my being. And that my past, present, future are all secured, no matter what happens. 
And so that gives me the opportunity then to not live out of fear, but then really just soak in the love of God, that I am a beloved child of God. And then I operate from that that perspective of security, which I think is everything. I think the whole gospel, the whole, I think the whole Bible is all about security versus insecurity, really. And, and so, you know, yeah, that's, that's the whole point of what John said is God is love and if we're made complete in him, we don't fear him in, in the sense of cowering fear. We don't fear judgment. And, and then, of course, then we don't fear the world. Greater is he that is in us than he that is he that is in the world. There's nothing we need to ultimately fear. So we can then live out of a love operant, modus operandi, which frees us from fear. <laughs> you know, that's the, it's the ironic thing, uh, the great thing about it. And I know this to be true in my life. That's why First John four sixteen to 20 are my life verses, because I want to love as if I've never been hurt. That's 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 the goal. To love as if you've never been hurt. Don't love you can't love and be protective. The, there's an inherent to love is to open yourself to being hurt, to getting sick, etc. Uh, this weekend I'm going to talk about how the early Christians our our forefathers and foremothers in the faith, they they did not cower from mm-hmm. challenge. They they got sick. Because they loved. And I'm not saying that we're to be careless, as I mentioned this weekend. We're to be mm-hmm. wise. But we don't need to fear. Mm-hmm. It's, it's times like this where you see that I think part of the reason, as an example, why maybe uh, so many churches, eh, a reason why the gospel hasn't stuck so much in recent years or recent uh, ages in this last few decades um, is that the Western world uh, achieving what it's set out to achieve and being in that state, the New Testament makes zero sense. There's no, there's no context for life going well in the New Testament. Right. And so, but when, when you, the you open up the New Testament in times like this, where they were not just facing persecution, but there were plagues and there was sickness and there was famine and there was a shortage of, 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 of means to take care of one another. So they so had to rely on themselves. All of a sudden, these 27 books open up and are completely right. relatable, That's right. entirely relatable. Um, and so it will be great to get into that this weekend because um, just what the suffering and the tragedy and, and suffering that they're going through um, how we can taste it a little bit with, with what uh, maybe was coming to us or what we need to do for others and, and um, reaching out. How can you distinguish for those listening, maybe perhaps some questions coming up, some more internal struggles um, in one, listening maybe to your message this past weekend uh, and then putting it into practice. I think one might be, where do I take... Um, turning my fear into love, but then how is love not just thinking happy thoughts or thinking positive, positively? What, yeah, so what when is, we what, talk about love, so even God is love, First John four sixteen is God is agape. Agape love is that which gave value to the recipient of that di- directive love. So love in that context is not happy thoughts toward a person. You're in our thoughts. Love is the expression of, 
of goodwill that gives value to the object. So, for example, if normally I would, I would um, be sitting around stewing in fear, to live in love would be, I mean, I think of someone I can text and just send them an encouragement. I think of how I can pray for people that I care about. That's filling your mind with active value giving, which is what agape is, a value active giving. And so it's not just having good wishes. It's not just having happy thoughts. It is the practical extension of value and worth. So I ascribe that to, I have a friend who's a a, a tennis friend, you know, Mel. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to make sure Mel feels, you know, he's he's in the risk category. So when I thought of him yesterday, man, I made sure I texted him, hey, how are you and Nancy doing? How are you guys doing? Are you guys okay? Is there anything you need? You know, that's, that's, I'm not dwelling on myself. The minute I'm doing that, I'm not dwelling on my own problems, my own challenges. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fixing my thoughts as an agent of Christ's love for, for my friend Nell, uh, Mel and his wife Nancy. So just think of that, listeners, that, that to, to live in love is to live with the practical extension of any resources I have to individuals. So that's one of the reasons we need to pray for, hey, God, tell me. You tell me, who do I need to contact? Who do I need to care for? And I think that's one of the wonderful things that happens with this is, yes, we do have the you know few percent yahoos out there who do stupid things during this and selfish things, but the majority of people, it brings out the best in people. You know, there's so many people that are caring for other people, and when life gets stripped down to its bare essentials mm-hmm. in seasons like this, just so many cool stories. We're trying to organize through City Lights intentional goodwill, but none of that can take the place of what's happening serendipitously, extemporaneously, with people who have a need that, that they're made aware of, and they extend agape. Mm-hmm. And uh, the benefit for us is in, when I'm in agape, I'm not in fear. Mm-hmm. I'm not in fear at all. From a leadership standpoint, I think here's the other thing too, is uh, from a leadership standpoint, that becomes critical because um, more, always it's important that leaders have composure. But in these times, it's more important than ever that there is a calculated calm there, there is a thoughtful process and a posture of composure that says, I'm not wringing my hands because God's not wringing his hands. Nothing surprises God. So this is where we get to test that out as leaders. So those of you who are leaders, family leaders, it is more than ever a time to, if you're in the grocery and someone bangs into your cart, that you're patient. Mm-hmm. If you have to make decisions, try to pause. Make decisions when you have to make them. Now, for me, I want to make decisions quickly, and there's a time to do that. I made a decision this morning that was that was a pretty quick decision because I okay, I don't need to think about this anymore. But but don't make decisions in this season until you have to make them. And uh, the 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 power of composure is amazing. I was thinking, you know, Kipling's famous if poem: if you can keep your head. When all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, 
but make allowance for their doubting too. And, you know, the famous poem, you know, you'll be a man, my son. And just I always think of that, you know, keep your head. We don't panic. We don't be purveyors of misinformation. I mentioned to the staff a little bit ago, stay in your lane. If you're not an infectious disease expert, probably shouldn't be commenting on um, the disease and in, in, in terms of how dangerous getting it is. So uh, composure, composure, composure. And then creativity. As I said last weekend, Jesus' ministry was interruptions. Mm-hmm. And he turned those into now events that echo 2,000 years into our day. The story we're looking at in Mark 1 is an interruption. Leper mm-hmm. shows himself before and breaks the law. And shouldn't be doing that, but Jesus turns that into an opportunity. So that's the other thing is, is composure and then creativity. How, how, what are needs that I can be focusing on? Because, you know, you know, Newton invented calculus and gra- theory of gravity during the bubonic plague because he was quarantined. Some of the best things happen when we're forced into solitude, when we're forced into to quarantine. I wonder how many things Jesus thought of when he, when he, you know, the series we're in, the day love was quarantined, when he had to isolate himself. Because there were just so many people that were clamoring for his life. And... I wonder how many stories, how many parables, how many strategies that he had. Because believe it or not, Jesus was very strategic. Um, yeah, so composure, creativity, those are all huge right now for leaders, for everybody. I think that idea of opportunity goes well with First John 4 because the um, what qualifies the, the agape, the unconditional love, is, is teleos agape, a a mature, a maturing, yeah. complete, um, which is that word "perfect." You see, which is a different understanding. And it's not doesn't mean without flaw. It means yeah, fully. It's not infallible. It's then mm-hmm. um, we then here we get into Wesleyan and you know the nerds out there. But um, the I think that's really interesting for in, a, in when you're when thinking of Jesus turning interruption into opportunity. Because perfect love, complete love, what that looks like in my mind is seizing every opportunity to exact the great commandment, just to love God, love others. When you ever have a, whenever you are, are, are faced with an interruption, you can turn into an opportunity to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Mm-hmm. That's, lo- that's perfect love. Whenever you are interrupted with an opportunity to love someone else unconditionally, not expecting anything back in return, which is what the early church did. It was teleo subagape. It was, it was um, perfect love in that moment. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was helping someone with, that was cast out by their family and bringing them in, maybe contracting the plague themselves. But, but um, we love because he first loved us. Yep, that's what they did. That's, you know, in faith, that's, man, that's our ancestry. Mm-hmm. That's our forefathers and foremothers. Was they, they were courageous. You know, one of the things, well, a practical thing on that, and I'm going to speak on this this weekend, is we look at courage as sort of an add-on. That's the thing heroes have. 
the scriptures present courage as a virtue, like it's it's a character strength. It and it's a like like love, honesty, patience, kindness. It's no different. So courage is not like it's a bonus if you get really like special gifting, you know, special opportunities. No, courage is a requirement because courage and faith are the same thing. Mm-hmm. Same thing. So if you want to, so courage comes out of I know where my security comes from, and so therefore I act. It's it's simple things like Jesus. John 13, having known he had come from the Father and that he was returning to the Father, he got up from the evening meal, took the towel that was around his waist and set it by the bowl and began to wash his disciples' feet. What is that saying? It's saying he knows his source of security. He doesn't need to amp up his power and castigate those who are about to deny him. That's John saying, I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And so courage is is really the byproduct of knowing your security ultimately is in God's hands anyway. So one of the things I'm going to talk about this weekend is if you want to know where your securities are, trace your trusts and follow your fears. So you, you begin, trace your trusts. Like what, what, what are the things that, you, that you're trusting in? And then follow what things you're afraid of because that's where you know your security is. So if my trust is in, you know, something as flippant as my sports teams, it's where I get my sense of identity. And so then my fear is, you know, what could happen as a result of my team being awful. If that ever happened, I don't know if that would ever happen that any of our teams, sports teams would be awful to you. I mean, I don't, I don't know. For four or five years no, or so. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> um, so then I get, I can, tra- I can trace my, trace my trust and follow my fears mm-hmm. and I know where my security is so I I still have I still have uh, once a year I'll have a I'll have a I'll have a nightmare that your mom left me I know that I have a fear of abandonment I now know where that goes back to so if I if I it's not unhealthy with me it's not but it's there mm-hmm. it's probably once a year I have that and it's like wow yep um, so when you follow your fears, then you can know and you can assess, do an inventory of where mm-hmm. you have surrendered your identity. Mm-hmm. It's really idols. Yeah. We have fear because we're not sure our idols are going to come through with for us. Mm-hmm. Faith is when I know God will come through for me. In my times, I've been most, uh, I've lost most composure these last few days have been, has been one day, um, it, you know, it's it's hard enough to do a twenty mile run. It's harder to do a twenty mile run when you don't know if you're going to run a marathon. Man, <laughs> like it's going to be canceled, and that was that lost my composure yeah. there a little bit. Like I've yeah. just been, you know, been training this, this and... damn coronavirus. I'm going to put in all this training, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not even going to be able to run a marathon. And then, uh, and then in a little bit today, with just uh, I've just got a lot of papers due and a lot of work to produce, and I can't work from home. <laughs> You know, and I, I can't, I can't have the office being closed. I can't have my routine broken up because I've got too much yeah. stuff to do, and I can't have this, this, uh, all this stuff interrupting me. And so those are, I mean, that would, those would be two things that I really um, have to check myself in and feeling when I lay down at night, feeling like an adequate human being. Do mm-hmm. if I, you know, it, as far as that's where I find, uh, you know, false security, and, and, and yeah. those are two of the main biggest things. Not all of them, but two big ones. 
Um, but those are that's where I've seen most mostly where I've I've not had composure in those two really um, silly things. You know? Yeah, yeah, and that's you know when you trace that, you know you get you get to kind of trace where you're putting your trust in and order mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I just shared a list of with our staff of the nine different enneagram types and how they're handling this situation. Mm-hmm. Based on your enneagram type, this thing's affecting you in different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, for me, it's I, when I've learned. I learned one of the things I learned in basketball is clutch situations. Everybody else gets fast. That's the time you slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's they, the uh, some doctors did some study on on. On Jordan, some neurological study, Michael Jordan, and and uh, his brain function literally slows down. It's amazing when the closer a game got, yeah. or the more high pressure situations he got, and he literally um, started moving slower when mm-hmm. everyone else's brain function would speed up. Yeah, I know. I know. I will tell you this for me. You know, this situation is. Um, I, you know, I like challenge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like challenge. I like I like being challenged. I like I like having the ball in my hands with the clock running out. I don't mind that because I'm not afraid to fail. So that serves me well during this season. Where I get really screwy is when I'm not being challenged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. So, well, we hope this is helpful. C- composure, creativity, look. Uh, that's how we can express agape by being patient, by by showing calm and trust, but also. By what are the creative ways that we can meet needs ahead of their anticipation or their expression? And I leave this, uh, listen to this, read this if you want to. Um, it was of comfort to me this morning and uh, has since then been on my heart and mind. Second Corinthians 4, 7, 12. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that is in this life may also be revealed in our his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work within us, but life is at work within you. That's it. You know, when things look bad, they're not. There's more going on. Until next time on Chucked, until next time on the Leadership Podcast, this is Charlie McMahon.